Oh, there we are. Busy crows this morning. Oh, um, yes. Hatman's Lock, start 812-7914-3. Hope we're all well. Another walk with me and Harvey. And I want to talk about yet. The word yet. Not necessarily the definition, but how the use of it can uh, give different outcomes to the situation we're in at the moment. Whatever that moment may be. At the beginning of this walk, I noticed uh, a plane in the sky. And the, the reason I noticed it, first of all, I could hear it. And then I looked for it and there it was. Nothing remarkable about that, except I can't remember the last time I saw a plane in the, plane in the sky. There used to be loads of planes. And I thought, God, when will I go on a plane next? I don't know. I don't know when I'll go on a plane next. Yet. <laughs> I'd love to go on a holiday. Somewhere warm. With sunshine and all the right noises. Maybe hear the coast. A few little excursions. But not yet. Not for me. And not for many of us. But with planes in the sky being quite low in number now it's entirely different from when I was a young boy growing up in Windsor. My formative years were spent there and I lived there I think until I was nine maybe ten years of age and uh, yeah some some fond memories there not as many as I think I had a few years back. Time goes on and we lose stuff. But one of the memories, in no particular order, was um, the, the number of planes that would fly over our house. We were like five minutes from the castle by foot. And we were right under the flight path for planes landing and taking off at Heathrow Airport. And there would be a plane probably every two minutes, maybe a minute. And you could actually plane spot. You get your pen and paper and you could write down the numbers of the planes. And uh, my granddad told me about this. And I tried it for about two minutes and I'm like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> but the, the fact is the planes would go over quite low and it was noisy. And it was noisy all the time. But after a while, you don't hear that hullabaloo. You don't hear the noise. And of course, as a child, you'd go to bed early, as your mum and dad would tell you. And you'd go to sleep by the sound of planes. So fast forward from growing up in Windsor, when we moved to Reading, there, we, we weren't under a flight path and the silence in the sky was deafening. I couldn't sleep. It was too quiet. It took me a while to acclimatise to that, to get used to the new environment, the new world. 
which is what it felt like. But yeah, adjust and adapt, I did, so, so that was good. But that noise. So when I heard the plane this morning, it took me straight back to Windsor. And whilst at Windsor, uh, there was a couple of things <laughs> that my parents had arranged for me as I'm growing up. Now bear in mind, my mum and dad um, worked as a sister in casualty at the hospital. My dad was a sub-fire officer, fire officer, sorry, at the um, fire station. And we lived in a fire brigade house on Hawtree Road. But some of the things they did stand out, and these two in particular. First of all, they come home from school one day and my mum says, right, that's it, uh, that's it, get ready, we're off out. And she uh, had arranged, unbeknown to me, piano lessons. She wanted me to learn the piano. Now, I don't think I'd ever seen a piano, maybe in a black and white movie or in a Western or something. And I said, why? She said, I want you to learn. And I'm like, well, I've just done a whole day of learning. She said, yeah, well, you need to do some more and you're gonna to learn to play the music, uh, play, play the piano and be able to play music for me. Oh, I hated those lessons. <laughs> they were terrible. The teacher, I'm sure she was a very good teacher. But the thing is, where the piano was, it looked through the window, through the back garden, and from the back garden, the back, was a playing field where I could see guys um, that I was at school with playing football in the field. And I wanted to play football with my mates. I didn't want to be there, stuck behind some pieces of ivory, doing every good boy deserves food and face and Oh, and practice and getting wrapped over the knuckles with a ruler. I persevered, I think, for my mum for about five or six weeks. And in the end, I managed to get out of it. One thing I didn't get out of is she introduced me to a woman called Kay Brophy. Kay Brophy was a young lady who was there, I think it was on a Wednesday, after school, to teach me elocution. And this was so that I would sound, as my mum said, I don't want you to sound common. Now, <laughs> looking back, grow up in Windsor, one of the poshest parts of the UK at the time, and she was fearful that we would sound common. So that was me and my siblings. So I'm like, what, what's common? So she didn't really have an answer. But uh, the lesson started. And um, I've got some good memories of learning that, uh, learning how to speak properly. And whenever I think about her, I do try to enunciate and articulate better than I would normally. But the lure of the football was strong. 
<laughs> so to begin with there was this battle of having to learn how to speak properly and wanting to play football. Now Kay was uh, I think a very good teacher. She taught me to read uh, uh, extracts from books, Bibles, poems. She didn't need me to learn them off by heart like you would do at school. But she just wanted me to be able to feel the words, to feel the energy. <coughs> Excuse me. And I really liked it because she said, what we'll do, Michael, we'll spend 10 minutes doing it this way, and then we'll spend five minutes doing it your way. And my way meant she would choose a brick for me to kick my football towards in the back garden. And she just wanted me to practice kicking the ball against a particular brick. If I hit it, she then chose another brick. And we did this for five minutes. And then it was her turn. So I would have to stand on my made up penalty spot, look at the brick, and she would then ask me to project my voice to hit that brick. Not the one next to it, not the ones near it, but that brick. So I was like, uh huh? And we did it. And I got it. And I got to the point whereby I could project my voice and put it where, wherever I wanted to. I loved those lessons and that part of the game. Because learning them was fun. I got on really well. And at seven years of age, I might have been six, forgive me, um, I go to London for an assessment. And I got awards for public speaking. Um, which is quite remarkable. I found these by accident, these certificates, when I was having a clear out in the loft. Crikey, how much stuff is there in the modern day loft these days? It's a bit like the uh, our brain in these circumstances. Stuff we've locked away, wrapped up, stored in the far corner, out of sight, in the dark. We can access our brain now and find these random thoughts and memories. Some good, some not so good, that we didn't have before. I enjoyed the time with Kay Brophy. And one of the things that stood out for me is the word yet. Because I knew the system. <laughs> we'd do a little bit, and then we'd play a little bit, and I'd hit a brick um, from different angles in the garden. And then we'd do it outside once, but I would be doing the uh, recitals of poetry, etc. And um, I'd say, oh, can we, can we go in the garden now? And she always said, not yet. Not yet, Michael, not yet. I'm like, oh, okay, so I'd carry on. The other time I heard not yet was when my dad got a, a new car for him. And what, we used to travel frequently to my aunts and uncles in Reading. And one time in particular, we're in this car, 
no seat belts for anybody. Three of us in the back, one in a, uh, what was it called? I don't know, baby carriage, cot, mobile cot thingy. And we go to this uh, house in Reading, but we'd go on the motorway. Now my mum never liked going on the motorway, but my dad said it'll be fine in this one particular time. He says, there we go, kids. We are now traveling at 60 miles an hour. And I'm like, eh? 60 miles an hour? First of all, I didn't know how far a mile was. But we could do 60, 60 of these things in one hour. So, in the back of the car, despite the fact we were driving at 60 miles an hour, whatever that meant, we'd always say, wherever we went, are we there yet? And my mum would go, or my dad would go, not yet. Followed up by the fantastic question, how much longer? And then my mum said, well, you can work it out. Now she was great at maths. And she would give me a pen and paper and get me to work out how far we were from where we needed to be if we were travelling at 60 miles an hour. And we'd spend ages me trying to work it all out. Often I got it wrong, but it got me to think. And it also got me to shut up. <laughs> and it got, got me to get my siblings to be quiet. It was a great way of dealing with a confined situation. My mum interrupted the usual pattern by throwing in something completely unexpected. And I would work it out, how to get there. And then once I did, she'd say, okay, well then for the next 10 minutes, why don't you have a look around? Make a list of all the things you can see. Count the bridges. Uh, can you see any animals? How many different types of animals? Can you see a red lorry, a blue car? Blue cars were quite rare back then. Most cars were black and brown. So it was just a different way of dealing with the situation. The word yet led to thinking in terms of distance, time and motion. I quite like those two memories. I've not been able to find Kay Brophy. She'd probably be in her mid-70s now, maybe 80s. But uh, I haven't stopped looking for her. In fact, um, I was having a conversation about seven or eight years ago now about this, and I couldn't find her then. Okay, I'm gonna, I will look for her more robustly later today. So the word yet. Yet yeah, can be a sign from a child, a sense of frustration. How much longer, how much further are we there yet? A painful thing. Yet yeah, could maybe describe something that's further away. However, even, that, even though that might be the case, it means it's coming. It's on its way. We're getting there. It will be here. It's nearly Christmas. Oh, how much further? Has he arrived yet? Is Santa here yet? It can be a frustrating word, but it can also be a good thing. One of my neighbours, Nikki, lovely lady. Um, I hope she doesn't mind, but she's a bit, old, bit older than myself. She, um, yeah, retired lady. She had this dreadful cold recently and she was really worried about it. So 
she was going to phone 111 um, and to isolate and everything else like that because it was quite a it was a really bad cold for her and a couple of our neighbours had also tested positive for COVID we got a phone call a couple of days later and she was rather upset because having phoned through to the government people to arrange for a test they said oh she needs to go to this place the other side of Basingstoke she doesn't have a car the buses there are rubbish and she's already been told she needs to isolate so she was really upset about that the people on the other end of the phone weren't particularly helpful and said right well you can order online um, a testing kit that will be sent to you and then you can send it back to us she asked how she does this and they told her well you just go through the government website you do and she said she hasn't got a laptop she can't do it she doesn't know how to do it so she's phoned me in, in distress about how do other people deal with this situation and there she is on her own in her house can't travel can't go online she's really worried she's got grandchildren and as she was telling me more she got more I say excited in a charitable way and I just said okay well and I know this lady really well and I said okay well right right now Nikki what do you know and she's like what I said what, what do you know about the cold the flu or potentially the virus she said well I can't get a test I said right what else do you know so I'm really worried I said okay and she says I don't know and then got into I'm not online how do old people do this how am I supposed to get to the other end of the world blah 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 and I said to her well right now you don't know yet if you've got the virus right now you're warm and safe right now you're talking to somebody they can help you sort this out you don't know yet because you haven't had the test so I use the word yet I mean that's a clumsy view of the conversation I use the word yet as to like hold your horses let's not get too emotional because this is an emotional thing so we've got a bit of grounding and I said right in terms of getting the uh, test done you know we came up with some option options explained that she could do it on the phone because her phone has the technology she started to freak out of that I laughed because she is a techno dinosaur she found that very heartwarming to hear <laughs> um, but I said well listen I can do it for you your daughter can do it for you your son-in-law every you know anybody can help you get it done but between us we'll get this test for you and then until we get the test all we know is that what you need to do right now is stay indoors and then wait for the test so yeah it can be an empowering word it's like for a child they're going through a test and they you know it used to be pass or fail go fail um, studies in Chicago showed that kids who were told in tests that they hadn't reached the, the grade yet were more hungry to learn than those who were told had failed it was interesting so yet is an empowering word 
but it can be a comforting word. The word yet might help you to enjoy what's coming. And in fact, and the fact that you might not know yet may give you comfort to where you are right now. So how do we get from where we are now through yet? Hmm. Are we there yet? My mum's idea was to give me maths and to teach me numbers. And I'm sure it was division, long division, or whatever it was. Okay, Brophy used yet as a reward that I could do something in 10 minutes. And I don't know whether or not it was a reward for Nikki, but it certainly helped slow down that emotional journey that was becoming uncontrollable. So there's two things I think on yet. Sometimes it will give us comfort because it's coming, whatever it is. And at that point, you then make the decision, I suppose, well, is it worth waiting for? And if it's not, it wasn't really that important. But how do you do it? Well, um, for me, trying to get from one place to the other, not necessarily geographically, but emotionally and mentally, there are three things I try to do. I take on board creativity, preservation and destruction. And I try to use these three things in harmony. Prash Thakra, uh, an old colleague, told me about these guys. Brahma, Vishnu and Mahesh. I understand they're Hindu gods. If I'm wrong, it's my memory. But the, the idea is you've got to use all three in equal measure to get a good outcome. So creativity, preservation, destruction. First of all, preservation. That's where I'm going to go. You've got to keep those things that are true and right for you. Things that must be done. Things that should be done. Things that will be done. For instance, get up in the morning, clean your teeth, wash it, get washed, make the bed. That's something that's got to be done. You've got to eat. You've got to try and eat something. Change that. You've got to eat something. You may think, I need to be in more contact with my friends. So you've got to keep calling or writing or texting. Me, I've got to walk my dog. I can't not walk him. I've been out on crutches. Jesus. He's 38, 39 kilos on crutches. Bloody hell. But things have got to be done. So maybe think in terms of what must be done and then well, what can you do? Because some days you might not be able to do these things. And some days you might need a crutch. Or some days you just can't get out. And in those days, we're walking the dog. I call him my friends. And they've been able to do it for me. Jane, lovely lady, very busy household. Two dogs, lots of kids, wonderful kids. She's found time to walk my dogs when I've not been able to do it. Andrea, lovely lady. She's been able to take the dog when I've not been able to manage. So, yeah, preservation. What are the things you've got to keep doing? Things that must be done. I've got to breathe, I've got to drink water, I've got to eat. 
okay then creativity you've got to think maybe of new things what are the new things you can do what what difference can you add at the moment sorry yesterday i would have said that i can't speak chinese yet today i can't speak chinese fluently ni hao is hello in mandarin so i'm going to try and learn that over the next few months at the moment right now i know a couple of words and i know i'm not fluent yet so i'm trying to reprogram my mind about what are the thoughts that go inside my head because that's, that's where it all happens it's the attic with all those memories some locked up and if you don't have them stored properly and safely you know there could be all kinds of things that we're not ready to manage but a big one destruction what are you going to get rid of in this day 2021 the week after valentine's what can we destroy what are the things we can let go of what are the things we must stop cease block delete unattach become disconnected with and then do it there was a football manager very successful he was interviewed the other day and he was talking about how he manages what goes into his body from um, food and vitamins and water but also part of his body includes the brain and he now um, just blocks out shields himself from everything negative so if you get people moaning and complaining he blocks them gets rid of them he's got a a twitter account and every morning it's a great way to start the day it's just a happy bloke offering goodness there and he gets some great comments in there but you might get people to give him really silly comments which you'll tolerate but if they're negative he just sends a message i'm sorry block delete so what are the things that you do that you know you can stop doing what are the things you will stop doing so there we are um, i've had a bit of a ramble around the park i've heard some massive crows and a new family of magpies we got joggers morning heard pigeons haven't seen a dog this afternoon oh, this morning but yeah we've got lots to do things to create new stuff exciting stuff challenging stuff different stuff things we've got to keep doing things we can destroy if we destroy stuff it gives us more time for the new stuff thanks for listening everyone i appreciate that uh you're taking some time out of your day to listen to this so please take care and we'll catch up soon hat man out <laughs>